And we're going to look in the book of Colossians, a couple verses in chapter 1, a couple verses in chapter 2. Uh, we talked last week about hope, faith, hope, and love is what, the way we find it in 1 Corinthians. In the book of Colossians, it's faith, love, and hope. And today we want to look at the word faith. Now, in Colossians uh, chapter 1, in verse 3... Paul says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. And then in chapter 2... In verse 3, it speaks of Christ, and it said, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then down in uh, verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving or with thankfulness. Now, Paul is saying that this is a healthy church. That's the key thing that we want to see. It's a healthy church because it has these three essential qualities that are in the church. They have faith in Christ Jesus. They have love for all the saints and they have this hope.
Christ in us, that is our hope that one day we're going to be with Christ and be with Christ in all this sense of glory. Now, we're talking again about a healthy church, and a healthy church has to have a clear faith. It has to have a stable faith. It has to have a growing faith. These are the things that Paul talks about here in the book of Colossians. But it's not merely faith. Now, having pastored basically since about 1983 in always in southern states, Alabama and Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, doing pastorate in this, these states, Southern people have what? They have faith. They have faith. You talk to them, and they will say it like this. You ask them about their church or something like this. They may not be going to church, but they'll say to you, I have my faith. That's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous position to be in. I have my faith. That's what we're looking at. In the book of Colossians, faith is in God, but preeminently it's faith, as it says in these verses, in Christ Jesus. And then in the verses we looked at in chapter 2, to where we build up in this faith that's in Christ Jesus. It's faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as we look at this and we move through this passage, we begin to find out that Paul talks about Christ Jesus and he speaks of him in various ways. And that's what we want to look at today. I want to refer something to something I referred to a couple weeks ago when I was preaching. About 200 years ago, in Germany, in the universities, and in the seminaries, there began to be this search for the historical Jesus. And that was a process that in some degree is it's kind of lost its momentum. 
Now, what happened was 200 years ago, the finest German minds said, we want to look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And we want to see, can they bring this Jesus of whom they speak to us today? Now, they investigated these Gospels, and basically they shredded them into many, many different categories, the various aspects of the way the Gospels were written. When they came to the end and they put all the information that they were willing to accept, that these were the very words of Jesus without a doubt, they began to say there isn't anything here. There's nothing here to build something that we would call Christianity on. There's nothing here for us that we can say that this Jesus, then they said, if he lived at all, can be of any help to us today. And then they just got very bold and declared that the whole business of Jesus was a myth. That's 200 years. This is what they've concluded. Almost every one of them during that period came to the same conclusion, that this whole business is a myth. But they like church. They like Christianity. They like what Christ, the faith of Christian people has done in society. And they themselves want to be called, what do you think? Christians. That's the way they want to see themselves. And so, no, although they can't know Jesus, they love the idea of Jesus. They're captivated with the idea of Jesus. Now, I don't know anybody personally that's this sophisticated, okay? But I am very, very, very acquainted with large numbers of people that all that they have is an idea of Jesus. Now, I don't want us to fall into that. Paul is talking here about the person of Christ Jesus and that we need to have faith in him. And now he begins to use various words that tell us who this Christ Jesus is. And that's to build up our faith. Now, if I was just to come to you and say to you, okay, you've got your faith, and it's in who? And you would say, well, it's in Jesus. That says, well, tell me about it. That might be, you might have, you might ramble. You might say, maybe I've only got an idea of Jesus. All right, now I want to take a very practical experiment here with you all. So you'll have to put your glasses down and clear your mouths because I'm going to have you use your voice with me for a few minutes, okay? So you're all on cue now, so don't anybody spit any food or choke or gag or anything. In Psalm 119, the psalmist structures the longest book in the entire Bible 
By what device? An acrostic, but what is the acrostic? The alphabet. That's what we're going to do. Okay? Tell me something that you know about Jesus that begins with the letter A. Almighty? I am the Alpha? Okay. Tell me something about B. Jesus had these I am statements. I am the blank of, what was it? Bread of life. When the angels showed up, they told the shepherds, you shall find the, all right, C, Christ. D, hmm? deliverer, okay, E, Everlasting, F, Faithful, G, God. How much do you know? How much do you really? See, if what I'm trying to find is a way really down in this brain. It's just not very organized. That's why the alphabet helps us. I, his name shall be called... J, Jesus. K, King. L, M, N. Jesus, blank of all blanks. Name. <laughs> o, think of three O's. He is Om. Sure. P, he's our blank and blank, and prophet. Now, Q, I'm, help me. Somebody help the boy. Q. Oh, boy. All right. R, I am the. Yep. S. T. Trinity, trust, yeah, okay, you, undefiled, there you go, that's very good, all right, V, victorious, okay, what do we got left? W, he's wonderful, yeah, worthy, wisdom. Now, what I'm trying to, what I'm just trying to get at is how much do you really know that if you were to sit here and think about this Jesus that you claim you have faith in, how much of this is bolstered around these words that the writers of the scriptures have attached to Jesus' name. You have faith in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus the Lord. How Do you see these things are a part of your life, but you do need some, you know, sharpening of your sword. But as you do this, 
you'll see it. Now look at these ones here. I'm just going to cover these rather quickly. In chapter 1 of uh, this epistle, in verse 13, he is called a beloved son. Eric preached from Psalm chapter 2 this past Sunday here. And that's what that psalm is about, that Christ is God's king son. And so he's got a kingdom here. And when we think of our faith in our Christ Jesus, we're putting our faith in God's son. That's a pretty safe place to anchor your soul. He's the king. Now he begins to talk about him in verse 14 as a redeemer. In him we have, in whom we have, redemption. Then it takes a number of verses to basically tell us in verses 15 through 17 that he is God the creator. This Christ Jesus, as these Colossians have come to understand, is God the creator of all things. There's nothing that would be beyond his power. All things are through him and for him. Then in verses 18 through 20, it talks about this one who is the son, who is the creator, taking on the form of a man and becoming the savior. And here he's called the reconciler of all things. He is called the one who is the firstborn from the dead. Basically, the language here is that there is the first creation and there is the new creation in Christ is to have preeminence in our thinking about the first creation, and he is to have preeminence in our thinking in the second creation. So he is God, he is Savior, and then the way Paul moves, he moves from these things being true. By the way, he uses that idea of truth in chapter 1 twice. He's trying to tell these people, this is the truth, the word of truth, and the gospel of truth. And so these things about Jesus are things that he has accomplished. But in chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, he moves from being God and the Savior to being our God and our Savior. Once... It says we were alienated from God, totally separated. We were hostile in mind. We were engaged in doing things that were evil. Then Christ came into our life and reconciled us, brought us back to God. And now this hope is that we will be presented before God, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. This is good news. This is what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. Now, he moves on from this, and he is moving into chapter 2, 
And he's telling us of this one that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then in verses 6 and 7, that this Lord Jesus that we've received, we're to live in him. And then it tells us to be rooted in him. The idea is in all of these words that we've just used through the alphabet, that the roots of our life would sink down deep into what each one of these words mean about Jesus. And by being rooted in this, we would not be in any way uh, easily moved away from the truth of the gospel. If you're rooted, you know, the floodwaters can come and the storms can come, but if those roots are down, you're going to be stable. But it's the faith in Jesus has to be more than merely I have faith in Jesus. This word Jesus has to be fleshed out the way the New Testament writers flesh it out. These things add structure and stability into our lives. If you were to look down in the rest of this chapter of chapter 2, you will see things like this. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, be built up in him. In him is the fullness of the deity. In him you have been made complete. In him you were circumcised. You were buried with him with baptism. You were raised with him through faith, who raised him from the dead. He made you alive together with him. Now, the reason I'm trying to put these little prepositions in and with Christ is this. What was the name of the quarterback Monday night? What was it? Newton? First name? Cameron. Cam Newton. Okay. Were those Auburn players with him. Did he basically carry that offense? If there would have been no Cam Newton, what do you think? Do you think there would have been 20 whatever it was points? 22 points? I don't think so. He's, he's there triumphant their victor, he is their champion. In this language that we're using here in chapter 2, Christ is our champion and we're united to him in where it says there was nothing that was created that wasn't created by him or for him or through him. There is no enemy that he hasn't triumphed over. And we were with him, and we were in him when he triumphed over all those enemies. That means his triumph over all these things is our triumph over all these things. That's why Paul can say in other epistles, there's therefore no condemnation. 
That's why I can say I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we have faith in Christ Jesus, we are anchored to God's champion. He is our champion. The outcome is secure. Now, as we end this, we turn to chapter 3. And he says, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Where is Christ now? Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The victory has been accomplished. The glory of this has been received. Christ is put on a throne, just exactly like it says in Psalm chapter 2. God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. And there he is. Now, the thing that we see is very, first of all, that's where he's at, and that's where we're going. And because he's there, he is able to give us now all that we need. From that position... He poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church. July 5th, 1974. Pat and I got married. We'd known each other about two years. All right. Meet her in South Florida. She's from Michigan. If you're in South Florida and her family's in Michigan, what do you think's a pretty good plan? Boy, ought to go to Michigan, don't you think? I did. Went to Michigan, everything in Michigan, verified everything I'd seen in Florida. Before I left Michigan, I told the parents what I was going to be doing, and I did. In February, I asked Pat to marry me. Have faith and love in Christ, or in Pat Kinzer. She married me. Is that where you want it to stay? How about if I never got one bit further than that from 1974 to right now? Would that be what? Real? Sad? Okay. Now, how many trips? I can't tell you how many trips we've made to Michigan. Every time I go to Michigan, I find out something more about Pat. Somebody's going to come tell me some story about her that I didn't know. I've learned from living with her. I've learned from watching her. I've learned from listening to her. You know what I have in my dear wife, Pat? A great deal of faith. And that faith grows all the time. I live with her. Your faith in Christ. Some point in time you got married. I got married just a couple years before I married Pat. I married Jesus. You know how many I've, of these things I've got? By the way, I like the New American Standard Bible Updated Edition. 
If you got one that you're not using, I'll take it. Because you know what happens to them? You know what happens to them? I either give them away or I tear them up. I told you about Billy Graham whenever he would preach. He might be preaching from John's Gospel, but that wasn't where the Bible was open. The Bible was always open to Isaiah 53. And he would poke his finger. You remember seeing those things where he was doing this? And after four or five crusades, they'd have to retire that Bible. He'd poke his finger through four, five, six, seven, eight pages of it. The hold started like this, and now it was like that. How many of these have you worn out? Your faith grows as you wear these out. <laughs> if you don't wear these out, faith isn't growing. We have faith in Christ Jesus. That's what makes us healthy Christians. That's what makes us part of a healthy church. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that we have a Savior that's sufficient and a Savior who has done everything that he's promised. Not one of his good promises has fallen to the ground and none of them ever will. He is the object of our faith. Now we pray that you would continue to deepen our faith, expand our faith, let our faith get rooted and grounded and build up. May we live in this faith. May we be overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude because of this faith that you have caused to be born in us. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.